What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Austin with Block Bites, and welcome to Across the Chains, episode number one. With me, as always, my wonderful co-host, Mr. Crypto Clay, Double Sharp, Nick Dracon, and the wonderful Justin Bebus. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. Good. How you doing? Fantastic. Dude. Bebus, you're muted, bro. Unmute yourself. <laughs> can we all just talk about beavis is like like the, the last show we did he had a wall with like i don't know somebody's underwear hanging on it or something at just a completely white wall now he's got like he's got a professional camera crew on the other he won't tell you that you know he's got a pro camera crew on the other side of his computer like doing his hair, men. makeup before we come on camera <laughs> So, so uh, full transparency, right? The entire upgrade for Block Bites rests on Beavis's shoulders. It's just his makeup crew. That's the only upgrade we've made uh, from, yep. from back in the day. We missed a couple spots, but we're <laughs> Nick, we got a new new background for you too, my friend. What in the hell? Sorry. This one's real. Yeah, that's Dude, the real one. Nick in real life. We need to analyze his computers and figure out what the hell he's doing on there. <laughs> I've added. But, I'm yeah. short. I'm short everything. It's no secret. <laughs> Nick, you're wearing your <laughs> NFT shirt. I'm wearing my oh, NFT, NFT shirt. Yep. Yep. All right. Yes. Double. Wait, shirt. that's How an NFT buddy? shirt, Nick. V from How? Beethoven made the NFTs of all of us. This is what I was wearing in in his. Uh, oh, damn! You guys are way smarter than me. Okay. <laughs> <That's cool>. <laughs> <laughs> Double sharp nice. clay. How you guys doing? You got to be back on the air. Yeah, I am. I'm stoked. Yeah, it was okay. it was a, a nice break, but it's good to be back. We're back. We're back. We're back. So let's talk about Block Bites real quick before we kick off into this. So Across the Chains is, uh, I, I would call it our flagship show. Probably in the next 30 days, we're going to be going live twice a week, just breaking down the topics from, you know, the days prior, chain agnostic, cryptocurrency in general, we're going to be talking about. We have... Uh, a bunch of other shows coming out. Double Sharp and Beebus will be doing a show called The Developer's Corner where they just sit around and, I don't know, talk, speak a language I don't understand. And uh, a, whole bunch of, a whole bunch of fun shit that's coming out. But I digress. Let's get into the topics, ladies and gentlemen. So, okay, Coinbase, uh, we, we all know, you know, the shit that went down with uh, Tornado Cash. The developer is still in jail. And, and as far as I know, they have not charged him uh, with anything. I guess, you know. Dutch laws. So Coinbase is funding a lawsuit against the Treasury Department for the sanctions uh, that they launched against Tornado Cash. Clay, you have like, you got information here you can break down for me. Like what, what's their premise? What are they suing for? Yeah. So, you know, I think that, that so, so there's a, a lawsuit filed by six people, um, two of which were, were Coinbase employees. And effectively, you know, Coinbase has come out and said that these employees were using Tornado Cash for legitimate purposes. Um, and, you know, basically the lawsuit alleges that the Treasury overstepped its mandate uh, by sanctioning a software over, you know, laundering money. But the people that are using the software, you know, doesn't mean that they are laundering money. So Coinbase has stepped up, I think, to, you know, which in, in a great way for the ecosystem and the industry to, you know, protect people that actually use Tornado Cash for the right reasons, uh, which is probably a ton of people. Um, and you know, basically, it said in the you know in the suit that uh, they were using Tornado Cash to to donate money to Ukraine, um, and really just kind of protecting their their salary info uh, from the public. So, you know, I'm 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 happy to see Coinbase stepping up because somebody from the industry needs to do so uh, on behalf of yeah. the Tornado Cash developers. 
Yeah, well, I, it's like there have been a bunch of questions about Coinbase. Are you really about it? Are you really about this life? Do you really care about Web3 and decentralization? Um, and, and like to me, it's just a no brainer play. Uh, and, and I'm really, really glad they're kind of filling the shoes of like who's going to be the guy to step up and, and you know, have some balls. Uh, and, and I guess that's Coinbase. And, and you know, as, as glowy as they are or, you know, as, as CIA invested <laughs> or what have you. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a monumental effort. Um, and hey, I will keep using Coinbase. Uh, so, you know, I'll vote with my dollar, even though I probably wouldn't have changed anyway, but uh, I can pretend at least. So, I mean, I see this kind of like the fundamental fight to preserve the right to privacy is what it sounds like. And it kind of, you know, yeah. I, I have like a hundred thousand people on Twitter on notifications and I got like three notifications this morning about the white house stating uh, how great a CBDC would be for the United States, which is essentially now it, for anyone that doesn't know, a central bank digital currency is, you know, it's just a dig digital currency issued by a central bank. But what they're not telling you is the amount of control that they would have on the back end. If you if you look at, you know, other countries, I don't want to call them out, but you could look at other countries that have implemented such a thing. If you get out of line or your social credit score is not what they think it should be, they can turn you off. Off. Right. Yeah. So that is that really the ability to transact in cash or some private method is one of the last privacy strongholds we have. And I know countries like New Zealand is getting rid of cash. There's a lot of a lot of, you know, societies that are moving away from cash these days, uh, which is, you know, 1984. It's it's all coming down <laughs> yeah. the pike. You know, am I like blowing this proportion or do you guys see this the same way? Well, CDBC I mean, doesn't necessarily even mean, uh, you know, blockchain or crypto. It just means it's, uh, you know, it's digital, it's electronic, it could be just packed in a database. It doesn't necessarily mean crypto. So I think you're right in that respect that it doesn't um, just because the U.S. or any other country is interested in issuing a CDBC or any sort of digital currency doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fall under the crypto ethos or or any of you know decentralization or any of the things that people um, talk about or want with with a lot of the cryptocurrency that we talk about. So you know it, it, again, it just sort of depends on what the the motivations are for for all of these different initiatives and if one of the, the goals is for privacy then you're probably not going to get that with a government issued um currency just because that's something that even with even with cash transmitting certain amounts of it you need to have done kyc and aml and all sorts of things so the government is very much interested in tracking where things go for you know in their opinion stopping terrorism drug sell whatever whatever the reasons are but then the flip side of it is that you don't have privacy to, to do things that are completely legal you just don't necessarily want them out in the public yeah we saw it in canada when the truckers were like uh i think um striking or they were doing something um blockading. and they're yeah they were blockading and their bank accounts got frozen people who supported them's bank accounts got frozen um, and, you know, it, it, this stuff is happening kind of real time and cash is also so inconvenient nowadays that, you know, a lot of places don't even accept it. Um, so I think, you know, Maybe having tools, 
Yeah, yeah. Having tools to simulate cash, uh, like blockchain, Web3, et cetera. Um, you know, this is kind of what we need uh, as, as human beings, I guess. What are your thoughts, yeah. Nick? Israel banned all cash transactions over, I think it's somewhere between four and four and a half thousand dollars, probably a month ago. Um, that's a law now. You, you can't do anything with more than that much cash. It, it, it's a crime. Um, on the on the Coinbase thing, <clears throat> it's important to remember that, you know, Justin kind of mentioned Coinbase sometimes gets a, a, a tough rap. They're a listed company. So they're playing a different game than everybody else. They have a lot more uh, responsibilities in terms of compliance. Um, and, and there are certain things they can't do. But this guy, Brian Armstrong, that runs that company has shown over the last couple of years that he does have the balls to stand up um, when he decides to do so. He hasn't always done it. And surely, you know, that there are a lot of issues at Coinbase with the insider trading and all these different things. But I recall probably a couple of years ago where he wrote a memo when there was a large faction of his company um, that was quite divisive around the, mo the woke mob and all these different things. And he was one of the first CEOs, multiple other public company CEOs have come out since then. And he wrote a memo basically saying, when you come to work, you come to work. Um, everyone can have their opinion, but um, when you're here, you need to you know, keep that divisive kind of conversation outside the doors of Coinbase. And that was a controversial thing that he did when he did it. Um, now, why that's relevant is in the fight that's about to come, we need leaders like that, um, that that have the power and the voice um, and the financial backing to 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 fight the fight for us. Because Joey six seven two in his basement, um, even if you multiply him by three million, isn't gonna make isn't gonna do it when it comes down to taking on the Treasury Department. Right? We as a community maybe you know take down Bitboy in twenty four hours, and that was great to see. But when you're dealing with the government. Um, you need sophisticated actors to stand up and speak, but also take action. So the fact that Coinbase... And money for lawyers. Yeah. And you yeah. need money right. for yeah. lawyers. Yeah. You need to be funded. And so, so if you can just imagine the conversations in the legal department at Coinbase um, that doesn't want to rock the boat because they're in business and they have a lot of business in front of Congress. And they actually decided, hey, this is something we should fight and we actually can fight it. And then they decided to fund it with shareholder money, by the way. So that's a very good <laughs> step. So, yeah. so for me, um, you know, for, for Armstrong to take that step, he didn't just wake up one day and decided, fuck the Treasury Department. Um, it was a, a, a very, you know, well thought out, calculated move. And I think they probably think they can win. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through the trouble because it really isn't yeah. worth the trouble just to make the noise and grandstand. Um, yeah. So... That's my, they're my thoughts on I think they're yeah. acting in the best interest of their shareholders, to be honest. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe I'm, mm -hmm. I'm off base, but like this is really, really crucial to the growth of this industry. And, and we can't let precedents get set like this straight up um, yeah. because that, that just like slowly becomes more and more and more regulatory arbitrage. And soon, you know, we're, we're under the crush of a thousand pounds of legislation. It's like, no, I look forward to legislation, <laughs> but... This is insensible. It, it it just seems like overkill. Yeah, uh, overreaching legislation is no good. I mean, this is so much bigger than the six people within the lawsuit, right? The two Coinbase employees, the four it, others. It, it, it's big. In, just yeah. to Justin's point about it being in shareholder interests, 
um, they poll the large shareholders, right? They go and talk to, to the largest shareholders and they say, hey, we're going to do this. What do you think? And the reason they do that is because shareholders can sue. They can sue the company for, for, for misuse of funds. If they go around defending lawsuits because they feel like it and they can't defend it to shareholders, they're in court. Um, so it absolutely is in the, in the interest of shareholders. And they've already um, you know, formed that view. And there's somewhat of a coalition, I would assume, that said, yeah, this is worth it. We can probably win. Let's go for it. It, it, it's not grandstanding. Absolutely not. Let's go. Let's go. Gentlemen, <laughs> thank you. We're going to move on here. Because, so, <laughs> we, you know, we could end up talking about this shit all day. And if we keep talking about it, I'm going to get into my conspiracy theories and then nobody's going to watch the show anymore. So we just can't, we can't even gonna, do that shit. I'm going to turn my light on. I'll be back. Do your thing, Nick. So uh, let's talk about this CPI report real quick. And, and cut, you know, this is kind of like one of Nick's topics, but uh, whatever. CPI report came out uh, worse than expected. And I saw a lot of positioning on Twitter where people were saying, hey, we're expecting the, the CPI to print below uh, what the expectations were, which in this case would be a positive thing. It would signal that inflation is going down. Now, there's a difference between like there's core inflation, there's month over month, there's year over year. Uh, I'm going to defer to you here, Nick, because I just think you're probably the, the guy with the most information here. Could you would you mind giving us a little bit of information on what the hell the CPI is and like how this thing is calculated? Um, yeah, so it, it, it's a basket of goods and services that we that we consume or that the U.S. consumes. Now, it's not calculated in a very accurate way. Um, they leave out certain components, and there's a lot written about written about this. But uh, to, to your previous point about, you know, it was higher than expectations. The expectations of who, right? Um, if, if we spend all our time on on crypto Twitter, for me most of it, but for you guys all of it, and and you know everyone has this desire um, for. Well, first of all, they thought that the crypto markets would have rebounded by now. Right. We're in September. If you recall, we've been discussing this topic every week on the show, probably for three or four months. Right. And, and what I've said then is what I'm going to say now. This is a semi trailer. You can't just turn it around. Right. This is not a three, six, nine month thing. This is a very, very slow unwind. Um, the smartest people that I know in macro uh, believe that we are going to have four consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in addition to the two that we've already had, okay? Um, so, you know, I challenge that it was a surprise component. Um, I also kind of have the view that I don't think the month-on-month -month CPI matters that much because this is a story that is going to bleed into the second half of next year. And only then will we have a clear understanding of what happens next, right? This is a almost like a transitionary period where it's been predicted what happens. Inflation is not coming down this year, right? Regardless of what the CPI says and however which way you calculate it, food prices keep rising um, and they're going to keep rising for all of the geopolitical and, and you know supply shock issues that are going on. It's good that energy is, is going down, but there are different components to the energy market. If you're in Europe, especially in Northern Europe, and you're using natural gas, you know... <laughs> Energy prices are not going down. Um, so, you know, as it relates to what happened the other day, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to matter next month and it's not going to matter in November. 
right? Ray Dalio had a fantastic article um, out yesterday, I think, or the day before. I, I retweeted it on Twitter, and I encourage everyone to read it because he has the ability to explain very complex concepts in ways that all of us can understand. The premise of his article was that it all starts with inflation. Central banks have two mandates, or the Fed has two mandates, keep inflation under control and keep employment healthy, right? And there is always a trade-off. It's a balance. It's a difficult balance to keep. And most of the time, when the economy is operating within the range of normalcy, I don't know if that's a word, I just made it up. Um, but when things are normal, you, you, you can kind of push a lever here and push a button there and you play around with it and it works out. In times of crisis, that's no longer the case. There is no trade-off. Inflation comes first. They're going to completely ignore the employment rate and they need to get inflation under control. They've been at it for almost two quarters hasn't changed because this is semi-trailer and it takes a long time to turn around. So read the article to understand why the inflation number, the real number, is the only thing that matters. Also, the CPI prints what happened last month, right? Um, I, the restaurants that I go to and, and the, the, the goods that I consume, granted, I'm in Europe, uh, most of you are in the US. Um, I've only started seeing the restaurants put their prices up in the last few weeks. They didn't put their prices up three months ago. So there's a lot of inflation that exists on the ground that hasn't even shown up in the bullshit prints that they, they release anyway. So anyway, I'm bearish uh, yeah. for those reasons and remain so. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we, we've talked about this for, uh, I mean, I don't know, a couple months. I think, again, talking about it, like, you know, you're just spreading flood and, and it's not going to be that bad, but I, I think it's going to get no, it worse. Is. And I, yep. it, it is. It's, I mean, there's so many reasons here. So like uh, I went to the grocery store yesterday. It was the most I've paid for this. I usually buy the same stuff. Most I've paid in forever. Like a pound of ground beef was like nine fifty. It's insane. But like FedEx opens and and the stock sinks twenty two percent. The biggest <laughs> drop since nineteen eighty three on the open. Uh, and if you think about it, all the things that are upcoming, right? Rate hikes are going to continue. We've got the strongest dollar. The Dixie's the strongest it's been since two thousand one. International currency debasement. EU energy crisis on gas. Uh, I'll remind you that the U.S. oil reserve, you know, taking out of our oil reserves ends this month. So at the end of September. Uh, so whatever relief we might have been small, we've seen is going to be over um, earnings misses, future earning revisions. I mean, it's just like it's catastrophic. The world, the war is still going on. I mean, there's just we're not even into winter yet. So seasonality isn't here. So I, I think that this is going to get way worse. I saw Ray Dalio said um, that if interest rates reach four and a half percent, that he expected 20% 20%. further drop in stocks, which would probably be a 40% further drop in Bitcoin, take us down to like, you know, 12K, which a lot of people are calling for. So I say, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. A lot of of people, sorry, Austin, Clay, a lot of people are going to get body bagged on this thing because um, oil is going to go down, right? The price of oil is going to hit 60 bucks relatively quickly over over the matter. Seasonality. And, and the reason for that is, is the business cycle, right? As, as the, the, the world goes into a global recession, demand for oil drops, right? So supplies come. So, so people are going to look at this thing thinking that the inflation was caused by high energy prices. Energy prices are going to start cratering because that's what they do when the world's in trouble. And they're going to think we've hit a bottom. Um, but that is not what's going to happen. Um, oil is going to come down. 
um, but everything's going to come down with it as the global economy shrinks. Um, and, and because global central banks don't have the ability to, to print money they, the way that they have in the last 12 or 13 years, they just need to let it play out. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, Austin, for cutting you off. I mean, no, no, all good. I actually should thank you guys. You reminded me I needed to make an appointment with my therapist because holy <laughs> shit. I mean, it, like you talked about oil <laughs> prices coming down. Austin, you can short things. It's okay. You don't have to be long everything all the time. Yeah, I mean, oh, you talk about oil man. prices coming down, and if you, you know, like, how much, how much oil or how much you know, fuel do you think FedEx uses to to fly packages around the world? Amazon, I mean, you name it. And so, if you all you know, they exactly. pulled, they pulled their their full year guidance. FedEx did because they are they probably have no clue what's coming next. Um, so you know, I uh, do with that what you will. But I, like I said, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. I feel you. Clay's, Clay's going to turn into a good trader. He, he already gets it. <laughs> He understands how to connect the dots. FedEx is in trouble. Oil demand's going down. It's very simple, guys. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's all just it's supply really and demand. It, it really, yep. it is pretty. It, it all boils down to basic supply and demand, and then a lot of it is lagging because you'll see when people talk about prices, they're often not talking about what you're actually paying. They're talking about futures prices for commodities, and then so you know, big businesses are buying those futures. You don't actually see the impact of those prices on consumers until. A month or two or three later so like lumber prices were really high for a long time they've gone down but if you go to a store and try and buy lumber you're still seeing prices that are reflecting the futures prices from a few months ago so it's there's lots of uh you know delays but it really just comes down to like are people building lots of houses yes lumber prices go up there's you know interest rates are going up so there's less demand for houses so there's less demand for lumber it's all it all is complicated and boils down to like relatively simple concepts. I think. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really like, I'm just interested to see what this next year and a half will look like. Um, I'm not playing any games. I'm not trying to, you know, speculate. I, I think I land more on the side of Nick in that um, I, you know, I said it months ago. I'm not going to feel like anything is over and done with until housing prices crash. Mm. Um, and, and things are teetering right now. Uh, and, and that's really all I'm looking at. Um, and I, I feel like we're just not anywhere near where we need to be. You know, the, the era of the $60,000 Toyota RAV4 is over. Uh, <laughs> it's time for us all to buy like 2008 Civics uh, and, and just, you know, hunker down and, and, yeah, you know, hey, try to I got it. I have a 1991. I'm going older, <laughs> dude. Wait, you're you ready. drive a 1991. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a 91 F250. Oh, I got sweet. I gotta Jesus. say, you know, th like we need to see unemployment rise. I mean, unfortunately, like you know, the, like basically, it goes back to the Phillips curve: unemployment up, inflation down. And unemployment has held fairly steady. It's been pretty, pretty consistent. And there's still people looking for jobs. And frankly, if you go like at least domestically in the U.S., if you go to restaurants, they're still understaffed. There's still people that didn't come back from COVID. There's, there's it's all over the place. So, um, it's, yeah, it's worse than that here. Like this, like business because I live in a tourist-driven uh, area for the most part. There's a lot of businesses that have just actually they're you know high demand. They're full all the time and they're closing because they can't find employees. They open wow. Their rent. Wow. Yep. All, All right. right. I'm moving us on, ladies and gentlemen. So positive things. 
Yeah, something, I don't know, something better. I think this is better. Let's talk about it. So Pebble DB uh, has been flagged for pre-release on Phantom. So I have their announcement pulled up. And I remember, I remember Mike mentioning this at uh, Consensus. And if I recall correctly, so, I mean, it was, was it, is it honestly like a 90% reduction in, when they say IO, is that input output? Is that what they're talking mm -hmm. about there? Yeah, can, can you they're really talking like? about, yeah, like, and when they say IO, it is input output, but what they're really talking about is reading from and writing to the, the storage that's on the desk for the most part, because um, blockchains get very large. And so if you're going to, to reference some state that was stored a while ago, you're probably going to need to read that to the database. And so um, I mentioned this in the past, but pretty much for the most part, EBM chains have largely forked Geth, which is the client for Ethereum. Um, it's written in Go, and it has used LevelDB for the database, you know, along with Bitcoin and lots of other uh, cryptocurrencies have, have used LevelDB, which is at this point starting to get a little bit um, old. It still works fine, especially if you, you tune it. But PebbleDB is a newer implementation that's LevelDB compliant. I'm pretty sure it's written in Go, so it's native, the same language that um, Geth is written in and, and therefore Go Opera in this case. Um, so you don't have to, you know, any sort of context switching. It's more efficient in terms of memory. Um, it's just going to be more responsive in general. So from I looked at the code a couple months ago and they had made some changes to replace level DB with Pebble DB. And that's going to require new data structures on the disk, et cetera, et cetera. But the result is that you're able to look up data much faster. You're able to write data much faster. And that's the main holdup um, from the reports that I've seen in their testing is, you know, reading and writing from the database. So if you're able to remove that as a bottleneck and read and write faster, you're processing transactions more quickly. And then you can start identifying what the bottlenecks are and addressing those. So I think the pre-release uh, status is because it, it is a change to the underlying data structure. So for validators, it would be a little risky if it were to be corrupted. So I'm imagining you want to you know, put it in production on read-only nodes or archive nodes for some period of time and make sure that it's stable. Yeah, I think it's recommended to only use on uh, fresh new nodes, at least at like the testing phase. I think that's what it said. I mean, it, it like if you're in the Phantom community and you're a Phantom holder, which probably a lot of folks that tune in are, you've got to be pretty excited about the vision that is the Phantom Virtual Machine. And PebbleDB is a component to that vision. And people think it's going to be some one-stop shop drop of, of this phantom virtual machine, but it's not, it's a bunch of, you know, additional upgrades along the way. And so seeing them take this step is, is hugely, you know, I think bullish for phantom. Um, and you know, I, it's, it's just a really positive thing. So, you know, I, I love what they're doing. I'm, I'm writing a thread right now about sort of how, you know, all the layer one chains have, have forked the go implementation of Ethereum that, that Justin referenced, and how does that really put anybody ahead? Like if the, if the problems are the same for the EVM across everybody who forks the EVM and you don't change the EVM or you don't change level DB, then how are you any different? Like eventually the state tree is going to fill and you're going to bog down and everything's going to get slow and everyone's going to have the same problem. So if you look long term at what Phantom's doing, you got to be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty excited. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's and, exactly and right. But you see... Uh, like a chain like Solana, for example, um, where they are missing a lot of optimizations, 
you know, they're not EVM or, or what have you, but when you're building to scale and we're, you're building for like really high performance, you don't have like plug and play Amazon scalability solutions, you know, so you need to like take it step by step and improve uh, memory conditions, improve, uh, you know, IO. And the, the fact that they're doing this just means that one, they're courageous enough to actually make upgrades and two, uh, they're, they're building to, to really scale. So um, I would say, you know, I look forward to seeing how they scale uh, going forward. And I look forward to kind of them maybe implementing some use cases that, that really take advantage um, because yeah, they're, they're making running nodes more accessible. Um, they're making the blockchain more efficient. And I'd, I'd honestly like to see how efficient in terms of energy and computational usage Phantom is compared to the broader field, because I think we'll see Phantom, especially after this upgrade, um, way ahead of the pack. Uh, and I think that's like another great edge they have is they're just like pushing toward efficiency and not messing around with all the weird, you know, scalability stuff that other blockchains are. They're like, we're going to focus on the core system um, and we're going to go slow and we're going to, you know, make intelligent decisions instead of just trying to like spin out a billion blockchains or do like the, the midwit, uh, you know, yep. sort of uh, moves. Yeah. I mean, and to be clear, it, it they have heavily modified Geth. So Go Opera is very different from Geth in a lot of ways, but mostly in the the things that make Phantom different from Ethereum, the consensus layer, some of the messaging, um, things like that. State obviously staking is sort of integrated in as well. Um, but a lot of the like Justin was saying, the sort of base infrastructure of data access, things like that, are all the same for pretty much all of the the Geth implementations that are out there. So this is, it's, I mean, I sort of look at it from my you know, work experience history is they're sort of taking a web 2.0 approach of just profiling something and seeing where the bottlenecks are and then addressing that. It's not really a blockchain specific thing like Justin was just saying, it's just identifying where, where you can get the most impact um, in terms of optimizations. And if Data IO is taking 90% of the time. That's a, a clear, easy win to look for something that's faster there. Add caching, add, you know, this sounds like a lot what uh, uh, Professor Schultz was doing is, is, you know, profiling the application, looking and seeing where you can make it faster and then doing those things. And it doesn't necessarily mean coming up with a new consensus algorithm or um, anything that you would, you know, be able to put your finger on and say this is in specific. It's just, optimizing the application so that it can, can be as fast as possible. And that's where Solana has done some things um, to do that by just writing their client in Rust. It's, it's more optimal. But if you look at the specs that are required for Solana, you basically still need a, a supercomputer to run it and the chain halts a lot um, because they fall out of sync. So one thing that I'm sort of interested in that Justin hinted at is does the is does this improvement just mean that the chain is faster and everyone's still pushing really fast hardware at it and therefore pushing it to be much more uh, a faster chain for the people already running it? Or do you use those optimizations to make it more accessible for more people to run nodes so that you don't need super fast hard drives maybe because the IO is improved? So it could, you could, there's advantages and disadvantages to doing it both ways of, um, you know, pushing the network really fast or, opening it up to make it more stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be super duper excited if like, to me, like the coolest thing, like there's this project I've been following for a long time. I don't invest uh, or mess with it at all, uh, but it's called uh, the MENA protocol, I believe. Um, they use uh, ZK proofs to make the EVM so small that it fits on your phone and kind of like Celo Network does the same thing. And the goal is to have, you know, most of the world accesses the internet through their phone. Um, for a lot of us, like, you know, nerds uh, or what have you, <laughs> you know, that may seem weird, but um, in America, you know, it's a very big chunk. And then outside of America, it's a, it's a massive chunk. Um, so like getting to a point where this stuff can run on a phone and, and where it can be like pretty deeply integrated and, and you can transact um, at kind of a root level, I think will be pretty important. And phones have become our identities to a certain extent. And I don't think the security model is where it needs to be um, to house like private keys and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you see iPhone, um, you know, whether it's truly the case or not, um, their marketing has been laser focused on security, security, security. And I imagine every company is going to kind of follow in suit. Um, and soon we're going to kind of see an environment where, hey, this you know, this has been our identity for a decade and it's been really dangerous. Maybe now we're at a point where this can actually be our identity and it can be our money. And now when you get mugged and someone steals your phone, they have access to all of your belongings instead of just uh, your contact list and possibly uh, a way to make Amazon. Yeah. So truly the future. Yeah. Long Smith and Wesson. Uh, I, just kidding. I mean, for me, you know, I think they've they've very clear the foundation is very clearly, at least as of late, the last couple of months, has very clearly laid out that the concept moving forward is vertical scaling. So if you look at, at Didex, the per, uh, perpetual trading platform that was on Ethereum, they had to leave Ethereum because they couldn't scale on Ethereum. They couldn't, you know, do the things they needed to do. Yeah. They'd go to Cosmos, build out their own uh, layer one. And so the idea of vertical scaling, having enterprise level businesses be able to build on your platform and actually scale the way they need. That's what Phantom is trying to achieve. I give them a lot of credit. If you look at the, the research they put out the, you know, to identify that that 48% of block processing time is taken up by the EVM and 51% uh, is taken up by state DB. And to actually advance that and say, you know, we're going to create or, you know, kind of implement Pebble DB and move this along, like that is the process towards vertical scaling. Um, what I would ask, you know, what, where I think I want to leave this off, because I think it's a good segue into the next topic, is this. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around <laughs> to hear it, does it make a sound? I don't know. So my, where I'm going with that is you can pebble DB yourself to death. You can come out with the FVM. But if you don't have great marketing and you're not in front of, you know, Fortune 500 companies telling them why they need to be building on your blockchain, I don't think it really matters. And so I'll be very curious to see how they handle the biz dev side. I mean, I, I love what they're doing technically. I think it's incredible. Uh, but I'll be interested to see what they do from a business perspective with the incredible technology they can potentially build. Because that is when the rubber hits the road. That's when Phantom, you know, goes back into the top 20 or if it, if it got there, I can't even remember. But you get my point. So I digress. It, it, Good. Yeah, it, it, it requires uh, them erasing the EVM bottleneck. And, and right. that is like a big shining light far down the road. But it requires being um, in front of... Disney and, and all the other folks that already are, yeah right right yeah. now saying this is what we're building yeah. here's why it's gonna matter to you but let's talk about this yeah. so this is again great segue so Starbucks right one of the largest cash rich companies 
you know, basically in the world, uh, partners with Polygon to launch uh, loyalty program NFTs on their network. Right now, we, you know, Clay and I have had some calls with the Polygon guys. I, I've a lot of respect for that team. Hell of a lot of respect for for their business development team. They're a huge team. I mean, they have like something like 450 people on staff. Um, just a massive, massive network. And at the same time as doing that BD, they're working on, correct me if I'm wrong, Bebas, help me out, ZKEVM, right? Is, is Yeah, yeah. One of many initiatives. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've got, got they've a lot got of ZKEVM. going on. They've got like three different ZK chains they're working on. They have like an identity protocol they're working on with an integrated like ZK chain. They're like literally like all over the place. And I mean, I think they're kind of in the same vein as Phantom and and other networks where it's like, how are we going to scale and how are we going to do it in an intelligent way? Um, and kind of where, you know, when you're sitting down and you're just learning about blockchain EVM and trying to figure out how to scale, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is like, okay, what if you can like, you know, do parallel processing or you can have multiple cores? What if you just strong multiple blockchains together, yada, yada, yada. You know, when it comes down to actually like implementing that or, or making it a reality, maybe not the, the ultimate move, um, but there are things like state sharding. There are things like, you know, subnets, the, the creation of multiple purpose driven chains where it's like, we know EVM works and we know it works really well. So we're going to take this and we're going to replicate it and create kind of uh, custom solutions for, for very specific use cases. Um, so that's where Polygon has been going and, and they've been investing a lot in, in ZK tech um, and, and cryptography research. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been really interested. I've been following along, um, on the ZK stuff. Cause it was like, okay, Optimism, uh, Arbitrum, you know, Boba, these are all kind of dropping. And then there's that giant looming right behind them where it's like, okay, now we have real security, uh, in, in ZK, uh, layer twos. Um, and Starknet, uh, has their, uh, blockchain, which, um, isn't equivalent to EVM, but they have like a really strong transpiler through their Cairo language. Um, and the tech is just awesome. The tech is great. And, uh, you know, I, I've been waiting for an opportunity to, to build on it because I think it's going to be here for quite a while. And that's where so, Polygon has kind of put all their eggs. I want, I have right. a question oh. for you guys, just as somebody who was like, you know, I was pretty siloed on phantom for a long time and i really only opened up to the world outside of phantom you know i'd say legitimately a couple of months ago and the message we were always hearing was you know we're going to perfect this tech it's going to be great and then it's just going to be a home run and the assumption i was making because this is where the narrative kind of ran around the community because i was again in the silo was uh yep and other people are focusing on bd but when we shoot past them with tech it's not going to matter and now they're shooting past with tech and BD and it matters. Uh, and yeah. so my, yeah. my question is like, who's, I think we can look at the numbers and kind of see who's winning, but like, where does this all shake out down the road? Uh, is my question. And I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I, Nick, that was go just, for it. I had a question. I've got two points. The first one is that when you see these partnerships be announced, um, don't get too excited because they may not eventuate, right? Something may not happen. So, so that's the first thing um, is take these things with a grain of salt. Sometimes it's just PR, but most of the time um, 
you know, it, it is it is PR. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that, you know, different communities, not just Phantom, every other community kind of gives Polygon um, a tough time because, you know, it's a Mark Cuban company. This guy can pick up the phone and get anyone to sign a partnership with him. And when I hear that, it kind of reminds me of, you know, folks that say so-and-so billionaire became rich because he was off the charts smart, right? He was a gifted guy. Or, you know, Shaq um, only was good at basketball because he was seven foot two and 130 kilos, right? <laughs> and, and I just hear these excuses, um, you know, in business and in life. You know, oh, if I grew up in New York City, maybe I could have been, in, you know, a managing director in M&A at Goldman Sachs. Like everyone has these excuses. And you've got to remember it's a competitive space. Everyone needs to play the cards that they're dealt. Um, and, and, and for any community thinking that it doesn't count that Polygon is hitting all these home runs because they have some help, that is just not the posturing that you take when you analyze <laughs> yeah, um, That's not reality. It is not reality. Um, so I look at it from those two lenses. I'm very skeptical when I see these kind of PR announcements because I want to see a product. I want to touch it. I want to feel it. Right. Um, and, and the other thing is that, you know, if Polygon's been, been given a head start because they have some, you know, high powered investors that know how to get shit done, um, don't dismiss that. That is a mm -hmm. formidable opponent that yep. may have started off behind. And as Austin just pointed out, may end up, um, you know, uh, overtaking folks. Because think about this from a, a business standpoint, right? You've got an awesome product but you don't have any distribution, right? You, you're, you're a really smart person. You've got an awesome YouTube channel. You've got 2,000 subscribers and you're better than all the bozos that have 2 million subscribers. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the bozos yeah. have distribution, right? Yeah. If, There's no Costco, you know, in, <laughs> in blockchain. Yeah. You, can't, you can't just have the Costco exit strategy. You need to, and, you need to actually do the diligence. And, and there's a concept here as well where, you know, what's more, what's harder to do, right? To get 2 million um, uh, YouTube subscribers or to teach yourself how to speak better. So what I'm trying to say is I think product is easier and distribution is harder at scale, right? Mm, yeah. um, and, and, and this exists in a lot of different businesses. And actually, um, Mr. Beast was talking about it the other day, right? Where... Uh, you know, he's got this huge distribution. It's the biggest YouTuber on the planet. And he's like, I can teach, I can teach myself everything else, right? Um, and I think it was in the, in, in the context of he started a burger shop, right? And 10 or 20,000 people showed up to the opening. And the first one that he did bombed because the burger sucked. And he made the point that, you know, I have this huge audience. I can get the burger to be better. I'm going to hire the best chef in the world. And I'm going to make the best so, you know, yeah. if you think about that in the context of crypto, right? Solana went from zero to hero real quick because it was backed by a lot of very heavy hitters in Silicon Valley. Um, and, and the thing turns off every couple of weeks. So, you know, I, I think, I value, you know, I value distribution at a premium, right? Mm. Even if the product might not be there yet, because that gives you the runway to work it out. You can yeah. go hire the best engineers in the world in the world and work it out. Not the best academics, by the way. That was a cheap shot. 
but the best <laughs> engineers in the world. Anyway, Nick, that's enough. I, I want to, Nick, I, there's a couple of things you said that I, I have to uh, expand on. So um, whether the partnerships are real or not, it does not matter. Uh, let's look at the partnerships list. Just a Valid. few. Disney, Meta, NFL, DraftKings, Starbucks. Like, let's think about what they're doing here. Starbucks Odyssey will allow customers to purchase and earn digital collectible stamps in the form of an NFT. Like, does that, I mean, like, really, like, the use case of blockchain, like, fine, you know, but it doesn't matter because it's literally Starbucks and it's millions of people buying their coffee and Polygon's name is attached to it. It's, it's, so I want to read this one quote from, from the CMO of Starbucks, uh, Brady Brewer. It happens to be built on blockchain and Web3 technologies, but the customer, to be honest, may very well not even know what they're doing is interacting with blockchain technology. It's just the enabler. And that right there is the home run statement of Web3 taking advantage mm. of Web2 and absolutely crushing it. And that's and so I would say that when Polygon cuts down a tree, it's one of the last remaining palm trees on Venice Beach in the middle of the summer. Everyone's around to see it. And it's just, it's, you know, as far as marketing <laughs> and connections like that. Damn. Did you that, rehearse that? What that was so good, bro. <laughs> that was so good. Plays on fire right. today. I'm just what saying. I mean, look, I get fired up about business development. Like to me, if like this industry needs to move forward by getting into people's kitchen tables and having your mom be like, oh my God, I got an NFT on Polygon. Like, oh, do you know about the Matic token? Like everybody just wants one thing, price go up. Well, get my mom to know what the Matic token is. And you not that she's going to invest a shit ton, but if she did, price go up. So like it all is interconnected for me. And I would, yeah. I would venture to guess that Starbucks did not go to Polygon and say that they want um, their loyalty program to be on the blockchain. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that Polygon went to Starbucks and said, how can we make this happen? We can help fund the development, blah, 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 blah. And now they get the marketing out of it. And yeah. there's going to be the Polygon logo and all these Starbucks stores, yeah. I'm guessing, on the thing about their loyalty program, which loyalty programs are, in my opinion, one of the few obvious use cases for blockchain because you're getting something which ostensibly has value that you can trade with other people and use to get to, you know, shout out to coffee yeah. um, or whatever the thing is. It same thing for like air miles. It actually does make sense in a, a loyalty program capacity, but I'm, I'm have no, uh, no info that anyone else doesn't have, but I'm betting that Polygon reached out to Starbucks and a lot of other companies um, that, to try and figure out how they could start implementing yeah. their technology mm -hmm. within yeah. these other companies' business. So yeah. from a hey, user standpoint, we'll build this for you. You know, yeah. that's I, like, like they're they're getting to the point where if I wake up tomorrow, any of us wake up tomorrow, and they say Eventbrite is going to do all uh, all tickets through NFTs on Polygon, we wouldn't even like bat an eyelid. Like that's the reputation they're beginning to build. So it's uh, to me, it's impressive, and and other folks should be taking notes and trying to replicate. Dude, you guys know, I, mean, remember I, I have meeting a ticketing Tom company, I'm just going to say that. Y'all well, remember meeting up. Tom in Miami, my brother-in-law? Yeah. 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 He's like one of the, he's, like he was one of the big boys at Eventbrite. He IPO'd with them, the whole thing. I don't know. Side note. Side, yeah, I'm not trying to get any clout <laughs> through my freaking brother-in-law. Good dude. Right? Tom's cool. Good you know, dude. Tom's smart. He, he yeah. probably, they probably could have yoked it up with Phantom how they mentioned it. All right. Yeah. Anyhow, let's keep this, <laughs> let's keep this party going. So one thing I wanted to say along these, these same lines is I've been doing some, trading over on Polygon. Again, I was siloed. I didn't really get out of the network very much, but I, I've been over on Polygon uh, with Gains Network, actually, just doing a little you know, leverage trading. I like their platform. And uh, I can tell you that the user experience to me is identical and as a user. 
it just feels the exact same. And, you know, if they shave uh, an extra quarter second off the transaction time, does it matter to me as a user? Fuck no. It doesn't matter. The experience it is the depends same. Depends on what you're me. doing. If you're when you're talking about games and things like that, it will start mattering. But again, like I don't we, ha we haven't seen implementations of things that require that. Well, when I launch my smart city in Dubai, I will look for something with high throughput. But for, as for now, when I'm longing and shorting Bitcoin with a hundred dollars, I'll, you know, we'll continue to have the we'll same see. damn experience. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, Let's you know, one moving. thing, one thing that I've actually, one thing, you know, from some of the other side things that I've been doing research on, um, it is one huge, huge advantage that Polygon also has is that um, it's a native chain for USDC, which makes using the circle API for things a lot easier. It's a lot of things yeah. like that, that make it a lot easier for builders to develop things that can be used yeah. in the real world. So any things like we're, that, we're you moving, just start taking down barriers. Yeah, our like, we got KYC'd with circle, like the Oath Foundation, and we're like moving all our payroll there uh, so that people can offboard easier and that it's mm -hmm. cheap. Because right now we need to go from Phantom, bridge to Ethereum or bridge to Polygon and then go out Coinbase. Um, and it is like, that is the stuff that like, it, it, it shaves like an hour or two off of, of each week doing payroll and, and it makes onboarding so much easier and it makes paying for things in fiat so much easier. So, you know, um, Phantom has that a little bit with Binance, but especially as an American, um, it, it, it's like Polygon is kind of, up our asses to a certain extent. Uh, they're they're not messing around uh, with the American market. Um, you know, you got your Starbucks, you got your Coinbase, you got your every other freaking thing. It seems like um, so. Yeah, it it is. It, it does seem like a slightly different market, but um, one of those markets is is much 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 um, more valuable. Not to be like you know a nationalist or anything but um <laughs> I, I think polygon has has their hat on in in the right direction Divas, i want to um, and those are different types of business development too the the starbucks side of things is really it's, it is business development but i actually think it's a lot more about marketing than it is about um yeah anything else because they it's get, about getting you know, your name out there you know totally. and there's and then, business development in the legal sense where you're creating a regulatory framework where you can excel past mm -hmm. your competitors you can get the deals with coinbase you can get the deals with circle you can get yeah. deals with the cia right and the, the circle the circle side of things the cia side of things those aren't necessarily what people see but those are yeah. the the pieces that, that fall into place that let people develop systems that get used like you were saying if, if you yeah. can streamline payroll and cut an hour out of or two or however much it is when you start thinking about running businesses and paying people to do things cutting hours per week out of somebody's schedule so that they can do something else or if they're hourly yeah you don't have to pay for that extra time those are huge things that help people actually develop products and if if polygon is providing some of that stuff and they're getting it in front of everybody's face with with partnerships like meta and facebook then it does make it easy for someone who's working at a Web2 company to be getting their coffee, see the Polygon logo, decide maybe they should develop something, look into Polygon. It has all the tools they need, and it, it just makes it a lot easier. Totally. Let's go. So TLDR, in case you're just catching up, Polygon's doing nice things. They're winning. All right, let's keep this going. 
Oats. What's up with the oats, Beavis? I'm in your Discord and like people are screaming at you. Like I thought you were gonna give this utility, you bastard. You're you just rugged me. Corleone is like just screaming at you all day long. What's up with the oats? You guys went multi-chain oats. recently. No oats. The They're oats. oats. The oat. Oh, the oats, bro. Dude, we're sowing the oats. <laughs> does, yeah, does everybody I mean, know that? You know, um, <laughs> they better. Yeah, we, we've been we've been saying it for a long time. When the bear market hit, like mass marketing, advertising, you know, retail focused marketing doesn't make sense anymore. Straight up. Um, and, you know, we've been saying it for like six months or so now. And, you know, finally, these distribution channels, uh, to put it in Nick's words, that we've been working on, um, a lot of kind of the back end business deals are maturing quite a bit. Um, and we're getting into a position where, all right, now we can expose ourselves to much larger audience. Now we can have, you know, support from larger institutions in the space. Um, and, and the thing is, this is like a very monotonous effort. Um, and... You know, as much as people want us to whip out software without a care in the world, um, you know, we're investing a lot of money in this stuff. Uh, so it, it's really important that it be put kind of in the best light um, and be served up on the best stage and be given as, as much access as possible uh, to users. So um, to that end, uh, we are going multi-chain slowly but surely. Um, you know, we're probably going to see uh, incentive programs popping up. Uh, over the next few weeks. And um, yeah, Polygon, Optimism, and Ethereum, uh, we're working with exchanges on their, uh, on, on a go-to-market strategy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's going to be slow going until the market heats back up. Um, just know that we're like doing all the hard, annoying stuff um, in the background. But uh yeah, uh, now you can, our ultimate utility, being able to hold a coin on another chain. <laughs> so, uh, the, so if the, I could what just, we've all been waiting for. <laughs> if I could just point out real quick that in that wonderful rant you just gave us, you managed to say, expose ourselves and whip it out in like the exact same <laughs> sentence, dude. And I'm, which leads me to want to ask, how's your girlfriend? How are things at home with you, Beavis? What, Great. What's, what's going Perfect. on? That, all right, good. We she had our first nice. anniversary in, in Santa Barbara. Lovely. She's, nice. she's a good one, man. I really liked her. All right. <laughs> let's keep this party going, ladies and gentlemen. That's the oats. Uh, Doquan. Uh, let's chat. We're going to probably quick, quickly go through Doquan because I don't know much to talk about him. But uh, finally, an arrest warrant for Doquan was issued by a uh, South Korean court. Bebus, you like this topic for some reason? Dude, yes. Uh, I, I, feel, dude, I feel like Nick and Bebus will have good stuff. Fuck that uh, dude. Nick, Nick, Nick. <laughs> go. Dude, we can, we can pinpoint every failure in this entire like tragedy to Do Kwan's decision making. Um, I'm not going to connect all those dots for you, but like, you know, if, if Terra Luna didn't exist, uh, I think we would be in a much better, more regular place. Um, mm. The unwinding would have been much less violent, uh, probably a little slower. We would see crypto hedge funds not going underwater instantly. Uh, we would see like, you know, half centralized institutions not going underwater instantly. Um, and, and, you know, everybody was calling it months and months and months and months in advance. It's just like we've been doing uh, like literal UX analysis and like research on Anchor, Terra Luna, Celsius, figuring out how did they get this many people to deposit. And it's really like zero, like 
almost no information. It's like, okay, you have the amount you want to deposit. You have the deposit button. You have a graph that somehow is only up. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the UX. And it's like, you know, okay, uh, how, how can we replicate this in like an ethical manner? I mean, 21% uh, APR is unstable, right? It wasn't like, wasn't that the, the give back? Yeah, that was literally, that was that you, you go to deposit. It's like amount to deposit, coin to deposit, yeah. press the deposit button. Here's a graph showing that you're going to make infinite money. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's just like, you know. And then you it, bully it's, people it's, who question it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you exactly. shut down everybody as a flutter. Absolutely. Dude, what, what, it, what, what it, it really, it like pisses me off. What, what frustrates me is that, you know, people are still trying to invest in this lunacy thing. Um, mm. or, or like, it, it's just insane. You know, all, I mean, you just I said do, it though. Lunacy. Yeah, lunacy. It, it, it is complete <laughs> insanity. Like, most, <laughs> of my, most of my time that, that I spend before I make an investment in crypto or in equities is I try and work out if the leadership can execute on what they said they're going to do. And if they're shady, that, that if you get that right, then most of your investments end up doing okay. So when you have this Do Kwon dude, yes, um, and you have also this Mashinsky, Mashinsky guy, the swords out, um, they've just shown you, they've just shown you plain as day that A, they are not fit to be running billion dollar enterprises and B, they probably did some shady shit, right? So it's just insane that you would you, you would invest in that situation again, other than shorting the shit lunacy. Out. He mm -hmm. needs his lunacy taken away, dude. He needs like I don't care if it's like a tennis court jail or whatever. He needs to <laughs> fucking be like cordoned off for a while. Rumor, like you don't make forty Stewart. billion dollars evaporate and then like your life goes back to normal. Like you need <laughs> like you need some time, like you know, in your tennis court jail or what have you. Uh, but you need it, uh, and you need. Like lay off and clear. Has yeah. anyone gone back and read old That's... Uh, before May Beavis tweets or listened to Beavis rants on this show talking about the, I mean, it was almost like it was, prophetic it was, yeah, Nostradamus was... shit. Yeah. It's like the, the systemic risk that, that is on this, like it was out absolutely mm -hmm. out of control. I, I when, implore somebody to go back and read that shit. And when it unpegs, he, he, it will absolutely unwind immediately. That's basically what Beavis said in like episode 28 and you absolutely nailed it. I think I think Bebus kind of got frustrated when when UST was being looped into Abracadabra with Danny and all them, just creating infinite leverage, and and, dude, and to everyone, and, dude, they had their their hands in it was up everywhere. everyone's asset, and and you know like the whole the, the horseman of the apocalypse, like A16Z jump, like you know whoever the hell VC institutions that were just taking this to teams and saying if you want our support integrate this like literal virus uh but yeah uh like dude it it annihilated so 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 many probably good intention people and the thing is when when your ux is all about a, a simple straightforward reality um and then people are introduced to like any degree off of that reality especially when the reality is far-fetched as you're going to get rich if you hold your money in here for 10 years any any degree of movement, just like it's 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 instant, like it's just panic, um, and and they weren't communicating risks, they weren't communicating anything having to do with the tech, and 
you know, that is kind of what we're pushing for, but we're not even like within three years of us being able to do that. Like these systems aren't backstop. These systems aren't secure to the point where we can say, hey, here's a 20% fixed rate for a hundred years. You know, that doesn't exist in reality. That exists in a world of $60,000 Toyota RAV4s. You know, and now we're in a world of $29,000 Toyota RAV4s and you need to get with the times. And, and the, the, the message in terms of what happens next is, you know, there are so many cool projects and chains and cool things happening um, in the world that you can invest in um, that are going to go up and they're going to go down and you can gamble it up if you like. I don't see the point in walking into that dumpster fire again. And people are doing it. And, 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 and it saddens me because it's going to end in tears. And I'm sick of saying it on Twitter. I literally reply to things and I say, this is going to end in tears because mm -hmm. it will. You know, we we're just talking about Polygon doing some cool stuff. Phantom's building some cool tech. You know, Beavis is going cross-chain. The Byte Mason. Like, there's so many cool things that you can get involved in. You can spend your time researching and, and understanding. Um, leave that circus alone. Yeah, I mean, but I think, I think uh, invest in commodities. You have your oats, you have your grain. What else? <laughs> you, have? you have your beets, oats, grain, beets, and that's a full. It's your food. Nutritious, nutritious meal, <laughs> yeah. you know? But but I think We've got potato coin coming soon. Yeah, Nick, you're, I think you're conflating people who say that they're investing with people who are gambling, because they're not. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't see a lot of. I mean, there's been a lot of things that seem fairly obvious that they're not sustainable. And if you say that, people are just like, no, quit saying that because secretly what they're saying is this is a Ponzi and it, we need more people to keep buying in and that's what makes it go up. Um, and I mean, I think that's true of a lot of a lot of things. It's people who are, they haven't actually done any research. They don't understand the economics behind it. They don't understand anything other than there's somebody on Twitter who has a lot of followers saying it's going to go up and then lots of other people start saying it's going to go up and then now it's going up they're not actually considering systemic risks or anything like that. I, um, so it's not really an investment. I mean, I, I want to point out one thing that blows me away about all of this. Like to me, this is going to be a movie. This is going to be a bunch of books. Like this is going to be a moment in history that is looked at for a long time because it's, it's absolutely insane. But what, what kind of blew me away about all this is like, he was this close to pulling it off. Like if there had been more liquidity Dude, in that no, pool, he was not. You don't think so? It would have unwinded and would have been bigger. It would have been more. Yeah, it would have eventually yeah, failed. It, it was it, like untenable. It's like, it's like you know, building a, a mountain on top of a toothpick for the foundation. And, <laughs> you know, you're really impressed that the guy can bounce it for a really long time. But right. the inevitability is. Spinning like, 12 plates. To, yeah, <sighs> it's, like, yeah. It's, like, it's like you can't do that so, forever. Like, so you, you know it's true, though. If there was a little bit more liquidity, it would have Come on. taken longer. And if, yeah. if things were still going up, it wouldn't I, have fallen until it all collapsed. But like, I, I'm, it was a, in, inherently unstable. If that becomes the biggest stable pool on curve, you think that that same scenario no. plays out the way no, that it Frex did? Is, Frex is barely safe, and they have $2 billion in their curve pool. You know? Um, I don't remember like, the numbers of what they were calling for, but it was it was way more than that. But, well, they but were I, they were trying to implement a Bitcoin backstop where if it did drop below a dollar, you could get a dollar's worth of Bitcoin for your UST, yeah. which 
you know, but who knows? It, like, it's supply <laughs> infinitely kept expanding. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they not just add all right. liquidity? I'm, I'm, I'm all right. clipping all right. this topic. Right. Right. Done right. with fucking Doquan. Breathe, Bebus. Breathe. Doquan, we, we, don't, we don't need to worry about him ever again. He's going to get Yo, I wanna... up. He's going to be playing tennis. He's going to get really good at it. And we're never going to hear I want to move on to a network that we've never, ever, ever talked about on this channel that I am fired up to talk about and that is iota these guys are releasing their shimmer network on top of the iota tangle we clay and i have had two or three calls with dom who is like i love dom uh yeah. this dude is like he is the crypto ethos in a package uh and so but but the tech is very very cool bebus i know that you've been you've been chatting a lot with these guys can Clay, can you like explain to me what Shimmer Network is? And then I want to I want to talk to the Phantom guys that are watching because this is ground zero level of a brand new network that's about to launch. Yeah. I mean, Beavis, do you want to give a tech? I mean, what I will say, if you do want to, what I will say is people talk about a first mover advantage. And I would argue in this space, there's a lot like Shimmer's been around. IOTA's been around. So people that don't know sort of the Shimmer IOTA connection, IOTA's been around since 20, you know, like probably 20. 12 2016, and 2016. but that, they were building that token, before that that token was huge in the 2017 bull run so they've been around for a long time so they've been sitting on the sidelines saying what can we build that's going to make a game-changing impact across the space so there's a ton of features that i want to talk through that they're building that's pretty incredible but beavis you want to go into any like i know i think you're building on it aren't you so do you want to talk about any of the technical stuff or should i run through you giving you giving away secrets clay what do you mean? i'm not doing anything uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> you're going to jail. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, Twitter jail. The thing about the the blockchain space, and you know, in in all of our like network consulting and all of our like marching up to these all foundation, all these foundations and talking, it's like being first to market matters when it comes to name recognition, um, and. The thing about IOTA is they were very early to market and they have a fair amount of name recognition. So the thing about EVM chains, EVM spinoff chains is when so much of this adoption is driven by incentives and when so much of this adoption is driven by pumping money into the network and building partnerships, then being second to market and everybody rushing to this chain and being the next chain that people rush into Really, like your strategy at that point is, can we make the yields competitive? Can we make the yield scale? And can we get people to stick? Um, and that's kind of what the narrative of IOTA and Shimmer has been. They've been sitting back. They've been watching all this EVM business, all this L1 business, all 2021. And they're like, okay, this isn't sustainable. This isn't necessarily ethical. How can we create an interoperable EVM solution slash assembly layer where we can kind of suit every use case with a single EVM chain. And, and that's kind of where they're coming from uh, with Shimmer. And it, it's kind of like, you know, the thing I like about IOTA is, is they take a similar approach to us where they're like, we don't need to rush to market. We need to have the best product possible. Um, and that's where I see Shimmer eventually being, you know, it's in beta right now. Um, but the team behind it and, and the ideas that drive it and the ethos that drives it um, makes probably the most sense to me as any. Um, so a, a focus on interoperability 
Um, so it can be an L2, you know, it can be an L1. Uh, it can plug into any kind of piece of tech out there. Um, and that's thanks to the assembly layer. Uh, and then on top of that, you have the EVM layer. Um, and then they're, they're trying to make businesses and products and create tools that, that make them first class citizens. So, you know, uh, tokens and NFTs exist on the consensus layer or, or on the assembly layer as opposed to on the EVM layer. So that's erasing a ton of high volume traffic. That's giving users a way to transact very cheaply um, built on uh, IOTA tech. So uh, is another way of saying that is that they, yeah. they don't use like an ERC 20 type of standard, like the, the way that phantom is on the phantom network being the native composable like token is essentially how tokens will be built on top of shimmer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or on top I think of IOTA. So so, so Shimmer is a, is a layer one network that's uh, going to get released on IOTA mainnet. And so Shimmer makes IOTA Web3 ready, basically. It's smart. You know, it enables the smart contracts on IOTA mainnet. Um, and then there's start. It's, it's kind of a lot to keep up with. But there's Stardust protocol upgrade, which is coming. Uh, Stardust turns the Shimmer and IOTA base layer one into a, a multi-asset ledger uh, which basically means that anyone that builds on top of it can mint their own tokens or NFTs. Uh, these tokens, the, like the metadata of the native tokens are immutable, whereas like uh, ERC-20 is a smart contract, so it's like a ledger within a ledger. So on Shimmer, you can free, uh, you can feelessly mint uh, and transfer you know, NFTs and native tokens. So there's no fees. There's zero fees for anything that's built from like the layer one to the layer two. So if you're building... Uh, on top of it, there's no fees. So, I mean, you can mint NFTs for free. Um, and, and there's like other stuff too, like uh, expiration times for transactions. So if you send a token to an invalid address, uh, once the expiration passes, it actually comes back to you because it never got claimed. Like that's such a, like every time I send something, I like, like, you know, cover, like kind of hover in fear that like it might go to the wrong place. I double check eight times. Like this actually brings it back to you. Like that's incredible. Um, and, and their, uh, their smart contract is agnostic to the virtual machine. So, uh, it supports rust, uh, it supports solidity EVM. So, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that they've done that is, I think, pretty exclusive to them. Like that's, that's a lot. And their community is absolutely bonkers for yeah. this getting released. <laughs> like, really you see them on Twitter. Right. They are oh. so hungry for this. Yeah, I, I left one. Thing, I left yeah. one thing out. So there's uh, some because of the way that the metadata of the native tokens is immutable. Uh, there's something called IOTA Tangle, and it's sort of how all the chains are connected. So all the L2s into the L1, uh, and so it's a trustless bridge. So you don't have to bridge anything. So Tangle, I guess, is yeah. the bridge. Um, well, so well, removes... Tangle is the is the DAG, if I remember it correctly. Right. I haven't okay. I haven't looked into IOTA for a while, but um, back in 2017, 2016, when I was working on some other blockchain core stuff, um, that was they were one of the first DAG implementations, and you know they weren't a blockchain because they used an acyclic graph, um, and the, the Tangle is is their blockchain effectively. So everything is going through their DAG. Um, and I, I they don't, don't like when you call thing. it a blockchain. I just want you to. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me. Uh, it, it kind of gives me like um, the, the DAG version of Cosmos esque vibes. Yeah. Uh, how they're trying to build this and and how they're trying to build interoperability as like a first class citizen. Um, so 
you know, I'm, I'm pumped to see it kind of roll out. Um, mm -hmm. I've, you know, I'm, I'm really, really confident in the team and their ability to learn from the mistakes of uh, kind of their predecessors. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I would be very interested to see them kind of emerge as a winner from this bear market. Um, and that's what they're positioning themselves for. Uh, hey, which is uh, very interesting. Beeb is curious of your perspective on this. So, if if the if their smart contract protocol is agnostic to the virtual machine, so it supports Rust and EVM, what does that do in terms of scalability as a developer? Like what, like you know, how, like is that is that first of its kind kind of stuff, or is that have you seen that other places? Yeah, I mean that's kind of what Tendermint is able to do right now. Um, you know, you can implement your chain in Rust or. Uh, you can implement like, you know, some eWASM chain in assembly or or what have you. Um, but the, the really cool thing is it means if you're like a technology firm or you're an engineering firm, you can choose the technology stack that best suits your use case. Um, and maybe you're a firm that specializes in Rust. You know, all your employees have built like you know, 40 applications in Rust together, you're Rust geniuses, you know, switching to Solidity doesn't make sense in that case. Or maybe you have like a bunch of like low level, like assembly dudes who, you know, build everything in WebAssembly for some reason. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, it, it, it just gives you flexibility. And the thing is like so many things compiled down into WebAssembly that if they want to create some proprietary language that nobody's going to use, they can do that. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it is like, it's, uh, I think important in the future, I would say in the immediate term, like it doesn't matter that much. No. Um, but as blockchain becomes a solution that's actually in like a CTO's kind of quiver, um, that's when you're going to see it matter because then they can be like, oh, maybe Rust is right for this. Maybe want to use the Cardano proprietary programming language Glow, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and build a transpiler. Really I mean, I believe so. If you, think about, awesome. if you think about the Ronin hack, 650 million, like the fact that there's a trustless bridge and you don't have to, to worry about that stuff to me is, is pretty awesome. Well, the assets have to live on it already, though. It's right. That's it's true. It's not like you're not going to you're not going to get Ethereum yeah, you're not from on IOTA Ethereum. without yeah. using some sort of a bridge. However, there's a the potential exists for hundreds of layer ones to be built on top of the tangle is my understanding uh and then communicate with each other at the base layer to to move assets which yeah. which right? sounds similar to what what avalanche does with subnets in some ways um okay and, and what yeah. what polka dot is doing with parachains and um yeah. so they're they're using the tangle as the base to create other networks yeah the hey, real quick is, guys like, all these networks oh go ahead no, no, finish up because I'm about oh. to move us. All these networks realized like they built a way too powerful like blockchain. <laughs> they were like, oh, wow, there's not anywhere near enough adoption to need one million transactions per second. Um, and, and it's like there's the superpower tech. And now like a bunch of companies are figuring out how can we make this fit into the market? Um, and they've got, you know, the time and the money uh, to do it. And really like. EVM is it. EVM is the market. Um, and, you know, I think we'll see more and more, you know, Rust focused markets. Um, it, it's just all of your programmers use Solidity um, and, and all the people that are interested in the space use Solidity. And, you know, Rust is becoming more and more um, 
usable within the space. Uh, so having that option, if, if let's say Rust becomes the new paradigm, um, having that option to be like, okay, here's a Rust implementation or, or a Rust-friendly well, implementation and that's, is, is really nice. I mean, that is sort of what, when, when we talk about the FVM, it's an optimized version of the EVM that lets you do things faster. One of the ways that you could do things faster is using, you know, a different, a, an entirely different virtual machine that might be EVM compatible. In a lot of ways, it, it's, that sounds like what IOTA is doing. It sounds like what Cosmos is doing. It sounds like what, I mean, Avalanche is doing some similar things where, uh, and I would need to look into like the technical details, but they're letting you take whatever programming language you want and then compile it down into bytecode that can run on their blockchain as you know to implement a smart contract and a lot of times that means that you're actually transpiling the code into assembly or wasm or something like that so they might be doing something similar to that but a lot it's like justin was saying it means that people who have a lot of developers who know you know xyz programming language can now use that same programming language to implement a smart contract and then the other side of that is if they do have their own engine for transpiling code and then executing it, that gives them an opportunity to optimize that execution as well. Yeah, I would say uh, this is probably like a, a question for you to, to fact check, um, double sharp, but um, does JavaScript slash TypeScript, um, are there like transpilers into assembly? I, yeah. there, um, there, there, there definitely are because uh, um, if you use the graph, you write that in assembly script, which is TypeScript that compiles down to Wasm. So now you have potentially a chain that can plug into the largest developer base ever. And and to be honest, like TypeScript plus some libraries is probably good enough to be a smart contract programming languages for low security use cases. Um, and that's like millions of developers, um, which is really exciting. Uh, uh, maybe I'm overestimating. Is that, is that is that good for Shimmer, Justin? I'm like just so so, so the rest of us so the rest of us are following along. Next week we're, on the developers corner. Yeah, yeah, right. We're we're speculating yeah, a little yeah. bit, but potentially yes. Like it means okay. that Yeah, when you two start having like yeah. private conversations, That's, we need a button that just yells at you to get a room or some shit. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Uh, double so, sharp, double well, sharp knows more than me, and he I, has I'm, more experience. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I risk sounding stupid when I say certain things. Yeah, I'm if you're watching, this, this is a team I definitely I want to I want to work with as closely as we can. And the amount of fun I had riding a brand new network from essentially inception of the DeFi ecosystem up was like a, a freaking blast. And I want to I want to do that again. And and I you know judging by the enthusiasm. Yeah of the IOTA community, I think it will be an absolute blast. So I'm going to be following real closely, trying to learn everything I can about these guys. Where, All right. Where can, where can we learn more, Austin? Because I don't know much about it. Uh, you could go into the IOTA. Dis I think it's just discord.gg forward slash IOTA, or you can go to shimmer.network. That's the uh, Shimmer Network website, and it'll get yeah. you there. And before we move on to the next topic, which we, I guess we probably should have front loaded this, but we put it at the end because it's a juicy, juicy topic. I want to tell you guys, like and subscribe to the channel. Damn it. Uh, leave some comments, unless you're that spam bot that's leaving comments and screw yeah. you. Dude, 69 uh, Mega is freaking horned up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I also oh, wanted to tell you guys, so we're using a different kind of software today uh, that does not allow comments. We'll be back 
to uh, commenting with you guys. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure next week. Uh, so just hang in there. Uh, we love. We're your trying comments. a lot of new stuff. Yeah, we're just Sorry. we're just feeling things out around here. All right, let's move on. So solidly hacked solidly uh so you guys remember back in uh february of this year andre launched solidly it was it was the latest and greatest thing in uh amm technology with a stable swap and uh a variable swap it was it didn't didn't go according to plan there were some some bugs in the code uh just uh, some shit went down roosh you guys know Roosh. We've talked about him. I like Roosh, man. He's, you know, aside from the liquidations, he's a pretty good guy. And uh, so he <laughs> he connects with C30, who is the lead dev from OxDAO. They fix the bugs and solidly go deploy it on the Ethereum mainnet and then turn around and effectively hack the solidly version that's over on Phantom uh, just to prove that they did it and fixed it. I don't know. Somebody clue me in. What happened here? And I guess I think hack is maybe a strong word. They they showed some ways that the protocol could be exploited. I don't think they didn't okay. take anybody's user funds or right, anything right, right. like that. They just were. It was a. I think you said it at one point, like a cheeky way to show that the V one had uh, some things that could be improved upon or could just straight up be abused um, and making it not really usable. So it was. Um, I think it was a bit of marketing, but also, you know, it is, it is vulnerable. So it's, yeah, yeah, it was like, to some extent though, I don't know if I, like it probably was a reasonable way to go about things. If, if these, uh, and a lot of the stuff that they pointed out, or at least I know one of them is a, a bug that goes back to the very beginning that some people knew about and were taking advantage of. So this just sort of put it all out in the public for everyone to know about it. I loved yeah. this so much. When I read that Medium article, I was, I, I even showed my wife and she didn't understand any of this shit, but I was like, holy shit, babe, look at, you know, she's not gonna, <laughs> but I, I really, I got fired up. I mean, it was worth a retweet when I, when I read exactly, cause they didn't just like, like they calculated this, you know, mm -hmm. they, they put this marketing plan into motion and I gotta be honest with you, it was fucking good. <laughs> like it was a really yeah, good one. When they got I people mean, to burn is, like, like tons of their tokens out of it. Yeah, it's too. like 90% uh, burned solid, I think, at this point. Yeah. C30 um reported all these bugs before the original solidly was deployed. And and that was kind of the main frustration um with it. And uh, you know, now he's very publicly saying, Hey, you know, this was a, a net negative we're going to you know become antagonistic toward it and thus try to make a positive over on ethereum that's how i interpret it um and i interpret the, i interpret it that way knowing that c30 is a, a fabulous developer um mm. and and a smart kind person um so you know i think a lot of people have a lot of negative associations with solidly um and you know the oxdale guys uh, have have really 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 stood up in trying to take it over and trying to salvage uh, the ashes. Um, so you know, I'm I'm really proud of that team and and it was a lot of hard work. Um, I know getting to this point, um, and especially probably with Roosh as your boss is not the funnest thing in the world. <laughs> well, you know, if you do well though, he'll he'll fly yeah. out. You go party at his club with a bunch <laughs> of sketchily clad <laughs> women, so it I can't be all bad. So I, I do. I I do wonder though. The name is a mistake. 
Sorry, sorry, uh, double. Go on. Yeah, well, I was actually about to say the same thing. I think it is a little confusing having the same name, different network. Totally. Um, some some of the original, um, you know, the the use cases that were presented for solidly were really deep liquidity with very cheap fees. Part of you know that's part of why it's on Phantom. There was this whole contest to try and bring TBL to Phantom to fulfill that vision, I guess. So moving it back to Ethereum. I haven't looked into see what the fee structure would be, but I'm assuming that has to be very different. And which I think was sort of an issue with just being too cheap on Phantom. Yeah, anyway. it, was too, it was too small, right? I mean, initially. There were a lot of, big of too expensive view functions. Um, and, and my first question was, is this going to be like too gas intensive uh, right. on Ethereum? That was, that was my instant first question because like it, it, it's, it literally like searches through like a linked list uh, every time you try to look up a VENFT or whatever, um, which is like very, very expensive computationally. Um, but we'll see how it goes because, you know, you can do a lot of that off chain. Like a lot of the things Solidly is doing, you can do it off chain and, and feed in a reference to a function and, and just have a require statement to check it. So I know C30 is smart enough to address these things. Um, and, and I'm very, very interested to see how they're addressed uh, because I don't see it as being that competitive um, in a world where ba like Bouncer exists, in a world where Curve and Uniswap exist without um, fixing the gas issues and, and fixing the efficiency issues. I, so I did see uh, a post on Reddit promising that 100% of the bugs have been fixed, which I personally think might be a bold claim, but you know. That is really bold. I, I'd proceed with, for anyone, you know, kind of thinking about aping into these things, just proceed with caution. There's nothing wrong with being two weeks late, you know, or a month late. Yeah. See how it plays out. It's a lot of question marks. Um, I hope it works um, because, you know, some of the things that it tried to solve for um, were pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to Nick's point, you have to take into consideration on the one hand, you know, good on them for bringing the community along and letting people, you know, convert their tokens over. On the other hand, we're in a bear market and you got a lot of people that may be looking to exit those positions as quick as they possibly can. So just keep that in mind. Uh, the APRs will be yeah. high, but generally APRs don't outrun token depreciation. Exit uh, in, liquidity. Uh, yeah, in most cases. So, it, you know, what we may end up seeing with it is a trough wait for that trough to figure out wherever the heck it's going. And if the flywheel that they talk about in, indeed does take some effect, bribes start rolling in, people start using it as a premier AMM, jump on if that's yep. to your if that's your liking. All right, I'm going to move they us are, on, ladies and gentlemen. Their, their marketing shows that they at least have plans, which I think is is uh, yep. is bullish overall. That yeah. like There does seem to be a plan that they're executing on, whether it's successful well, yeah. or not, who knows. I've heard from multiple people how good C30 is as a developer and just like, yeah. yeah. So it's probably the biggest event uh, in the last, I don't know how many years in crypto uh, is the ETH merge that just took place the other day, uh, yesterday. In fact, well, yesterday, my time is like 1 a.m. If you're, you know, the Justins, it was, it was Wednesday. But uh, it successfully uh, moved over from proof of work to proof of stake. Uh, ETH 
dub eth w uh is essentially worthless uh which is the uh the proof of work token that was you know they the 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 miners kept that chain going apparently or they have a different chain id but anyhow what do y'all's take on this like are we moving into glowy land as as bebus might put it or is this uh is this a huge <laughs> net positive for everyone i don't know uh anyone have any opinions here I think in the current macro environment, doesn't matter, as you mm -hmm. can see by, you know, the nothing, El you know, the, 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 the price action, which was very easy to predict. Um, but I think, you know, over the long term, using less energy, that seems smart. Um, you know, I think the narrative around ESG investors, you know, uh, like real world ESG investors are now interested. I think that's complete rubbish. Um you know, real world uh, ESG investors uh, are the antithesis of what crypto is trying um, to, to do. So I don't think that's a thing. Um, but it's fantastic news that it went off without a hitch. It could have Pretty been impressive. something different. Um, so kudos to that team. It did take them a really, really long time. But, you know, with something like that, you need to get it right. You don't have to be quick. So I, I think it's a net positive, but I, I just don't think we need to have a discussion about price because it just doesn't matter in this environment. As mm -hmm. you just saw, it was supposed to be this life-changing event for price. No, you know, you just, you just kind of worked it out. And yes, the merge is priced in. Have a, have a look at the price. It's, there. it's in it. It's done. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's positive long-term, medium-term. It's great. You know, they, they pulled off this fantastic technical feat. Um, that's fantastic. Um, hopefully the, the the price of of gas goes down and it becomes a chain that more people can use. Um, but the price of ETH is just going to drag along with everything else for mm -hmm. reasons we've outlined previously. There yeah, Be Beavis double sharp. Yeah, I mean, really, like the ETH merge is over my head uh, to a certain extent. I would say a fabulous uh, technical achievement. Um, one, I don't really pay a lot of attention to, um, because a lot of my attention is focused on, uh, L1 chains and, and things like that. But, um, like the fact of the matter is, uh, Ethereum now has a path toward sustainability, uh, on the energy side of things. And they are the most decentralized, uh, proof of state chain now. Um, and, and for what you may say about, uh, Lido and Coinbase owning a large, portion of the staking pool, um, you know, these are very responsible custodians, one. And two, uh, you know, Lido distributes assets to, to all sorts of validators and is, is very decentralized um, and, and is just going to get more so. Um, so, you know, issues like in every new proof of stake chain need to be worked out. And that's a years long process. Um, and I'm excited to see how it progresses. Um, so major kudos to the, to the Ethereum core team, um, killers, uh, you know, monumental. Um, so yeah, double sharp probably has smarter things to say. I mean, not, not necessarily. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's sort of like we were talking about with, um, with Phantom and Pebble DB, this is a technical upgrade. It's, you know, I would say probably a bigger deal than, than just changing out your, um, uh, some of your IO stuff, but it is part of, uh, the one, you know, one step down the path of making Ethereum more scalable in the way that Ethereum has decided they want Ethereum to be more scalable, which is with sharding. Um, so 
to do all of the the growth that they want to do it needed to be proof of stake and you need to have your beacon chain set up and all the technical stuff i won't really go into so i don't think that this was something that necessarily affects the price and or or would affect the price or even gas fees to that um for that matter but it it does mean that now ethereum is in a position to be able to start implementing some of the other scalability features um, like sharding and so um, the fact that it was a success is huge. I think you're right, Nick, that it makes more sense to do it right than to do it fast um, because there aren't any real timelines or real deadlines. It, it's really more important to get it right than to meet any particular date. So now that that's done, they can keep moving forward and it'll be cool to see where it goes from here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th there's, a, there's a piece of this that I want to bring in and I know we're at basically at the end here, but like there's a piece of this I want to bring in that's not about necessarily the merge or the technical updates or any of that stuff, which is the the larger picture if you step back. Like I went I went to the World Economics Forum's website. I don't know why, I just happened to be there. And Chloe. I saw <laughs> I saw that that this you know the merge article was on the front page of this site. You know, obviously the uh, the environmental aspects of what this brings from from proof of work to proof of stake are being touted by the WEF, which I think is is interesting. It's that's going to have a larger play uh, for the you know, for Ethereum in the long run uh, if that actually is the narrative that gets picked up and the World Economic Forum is behind that. On the other side of that, uh, we had a pretty fascinating discussion yesterday with Ellie Terrett from Fox Business. That's going to come out in a couple of days, uh, but she's covering the XRP case uh, against you know the SEC against XRP, and that that you know sort of where that lands has a lot of effects on what happens next. Uh, in terms of crypto space in general, right? So where I'm going with this ultimately is after the merge, like six hours after, Gensler and the SEC came out and said the transfer from proof of work to proof of stake uh, arguably makes Ethereum a security. Uh, and that is something that they could come after potentially from you know the SEC. And if that was to happen, then every proof of stake network is a security. And there's a lot of rippling effects that come from this. So I'm, I'll be very interested to see how this this WEF controlled narrative of environmentally friendly, it's really, you know, this is a great move for crypto in general, counters against the outcome of XRP and what's going on with the SEC and this proof of stake narrative that that this now makes Ethereum a security. Because this could, I mean, that could absolutely derail a lot of things. Uh, so there's something to watch. A lot of posturing on the SEC's side and and doubling down on some some narratives. And, you know, the reason we didn't get into the Gensler speeches uh, is because we have an hour-long episode with yeah. Ellie, like he just mentioned to you, that's going to be coming out in a couple of days. So check that out. Uh, let's get yeah. the hell out of here. Gentlemen, thank you so much for an excellent episode. If you've been watching this entire time and you haven't liked this video or subscribed to the channel, what the hell are you doing with your life? Do me a favor, uh -huh. yeah. like the video, subscribe to the channel, or else people are going to yell at me for not saying that to you. With me, as always, Mr. Crypto Clay, Nick Dracon, Justin Bebus, and Double Sharp. My name's Austin with Block Bites, and we'll catch you guys on the next live stream. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye.